everyone, it's Adam from Ukrafoot24 with my very first episode of a new series that I'm really excited about this forthcoming season. Those of you who've been following me for 12 months now will know that I travelled all across Scotland last year, meeting many fantastic people involved in the football there. And this year, I'm hoping to achieve the same project in England. And today's my very first episode of meeting the 92. It's going to be a great journey through the English leagues. And I've come to my first club today, Bolton Wanderers. Now, Bolton, I've had a you know sort of incredible story, in particularly this century, but it's one of the historic clubs within the English game. And I'm here today with Derek Clark, who's been involved in the club for a number of years. He's the match day commentator there. Derek, good afternoon from Ukraine. I know it's still morning <laughs> over there. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks, Adam. Uh, enjoying the, the, the sunshine here. It's, uh, it's been uh, glorious uh, summertime uh, in the past few days. So as I'm sure you know, and in Great Britain here, we need to make the most of it while it's here. So just looking forward to the Euros now. Of course, it open season finished, I think, well, just over uh, three and a half weeks ago now. So um, we're in the close season. They've been very busy already in terms of uh, getting their squad together for, for, for next season. But um, yeah, it's, it's uh, just looking forward, to, uh, look, looking forward to the Euros and then, of course, for next season. Really is. And Grace, congratulations, of course, <laughs> yeah. you know, before we get started. It was a, a successful year, you know, bounced back, bounced back out of League Two up to League One. So a real successful year for Bolton. It was a, a, would you say, you know, are you hopeful there that the bounce, it was a bounce and you're on the way back up? Or? Yeah, absolutely. I think the way they, they achieved promotion is very unique in the fact that they started off the season poorly um, and they were way down. Even by February time, they were languishing down and I think they were 19th position. Uh, and they went on a, a terrific run of form um, that saw them catapult right back up there and, and they managed to get one of the three automatic promotion um, spots. So it uh, almost felt like they the won the division in the main. I know Ian Evett, the manager, says uh, we gave other teams a 20-game head start before we started our season, and it <laughs> certainly felt like that. But um, you certainly feel that there's there's a feel-good factor around the club at the moment, and I certainly think that they'll have that bounce going into to League One next season. I, I think it will take them far. They will need to strengthen. Um, but certainly there's a, there's, a, there's a real buoyancy about the club at the moment. Now, of course, uh, I mean, how did you first get involved with the club, by the way? Um, well, and I was uh, commentating on them last season for uh, Bolson FM, the community station there, and also for the club's uh, uh, I follow service, which is the, the, the club's TV channel, if you like. So that was my first full season uh, covering them uh, home and away. Uh, before that, I had done uh, sparingly a number of games reported on them for Talk Sport, which is a, a national radio station um, over here, and also covered them at press conferences and what have you for uh, a local station, uh, which was Tower FM, which covered the, the Bolton area. So uh, I was doing that for a, a number of years before. Um, commentating them fully um, last season. And I was told before commentating, life is never dull uh, following Bolton Wanderers. And I certainly believe that <laughs> after after last year, that's for sure. <laughs> well, of course, I mean, it's certainly not been dull for many, many years now. I show my age, you know, I remember back in the 80s, it was a club that was spoken about as a historic club. And then in the 90s, they exploded 
back onto the scene and had some real sort of successful uh, period then under Sam Allardyce. I mean, I know you've been working with the club more recently. What were, what were sort of the memories and what's sort of the legacy of that era at the club today? Yeah, I'm, I'm like you, Adam. I remember them in the 90s, really, just watching them on Match of the Day. I'm obviously from, from Scotland, so I always watched them on television. But they, they, Big Sam always had... Uh, he always managed to attract some of the world's biggest players to, to the club, which uh, they're they still spoken about to this day. The likes of Jorkaev, Okocha, and and what have you, Ivan Campo, Hierro, and, and and all that sort of stuff. So uh, these guys are absolutely revered at, at, at Bolton Wanderers. In terms of, you mentioned the historic club, absolutely huge. They're, they're, they're woven into the fabric of English football. It wasn't really, I knew they were a big club before I started working for them, really. Um, but it wasn't until, especially now with the fans not in the stadium, you, you hear the reaction on social media and what have you. Uh, they're absolutely enormous. Um, there was even games where supporters were travelling down uh, to just be outside the grounds, travelling hundreds of miles just to be outside. You could hear them outside the ground. It's, it's, it's crazy, the, the support they have for the team. Um, but yeah, like you, I just remember watching them growing up in that Premier League era, um, having some cracking players, uh, taking points off, off the the big clubs uh, from time to time as well, and just playing some really entertaining football. And I think Sam Allardyce was pivotal to that. Uh, he's still well thought of at Bolton Wanderers, and he still has Bolton Wanderers in his heart. I know recently he had an interview where he, he says it was um, he just absolutely loved his time at the club. I think um, it was synonymous with, with success at Bolton Wanderers when Big Sam was there. Um, it wasn't until he left it that sort of... The club sort of declined a little bit, and but certainly now in the last season, they seem to have got that feel-good factor back uh, with Ian Everett at the helm. Mm-hmm. What what caused? So, you know, I mean, I know the finances were, have been well documented. What what kind of triggered that sort of slide into the financial problems, and uh, have they been resolved now? Well, that's the hope. The football ventures is a consortium, is a group that are in charge now, and there is a. a a real feeling of goodwill towards them. Sharon Britton uh, leads up that that consortium. And mm-hmm. you see videos of fans and Sharon and, and pictures and what have you. And there is that real connect there at the moment, which, which is really good. Um, before that, uh, it was just in the wrong hands. Eh? A number of owners, um, I know that the late great, well, late Eddie Davis handed over the reins to Ken Anderson, Less said about him, the better, really. is a, a football agent that, that, that felt he could run a football club, which wasn't the case. I was done up to press conferences from time to time when Phil Parkinson was the manager. And you weren't asking questions about football or the game. You were asking, are the players being paid? Have you been paid? Have you heard anything from the chairman? And it was just, it was, they were living a hand-to-mouth sort of existence. It, was, um, it really was uh, dark days. And it was remarkable that Phil Parkinson managed to uh, get the club up into the championship and keep them up there. Um, it really, it really done a sensational job considering what he was he was having to firefight. Um, so Ken Anderson had it. Um, from then, uh, the club went into administration, of course, uh, which was again dark days for the football club. We had characters like Lawrence Bassini, um, who previously at Watford trying to get his hands uh, on the football club as well. Uh, luckily, that never materialised. Um, but I mean, I remember going to uh, court hearings and what have you, but with Lawrence Bassini there trying to 
uh, wrestled control of the football club. It really was an absolute mess. Luckily, Football Ventures came in uh, and they seem to be steering the ship, the ship in the right direction. Now, I had to take the club, of course, they had that points deduction at the end of, uh, not last season, but the season uh, before that, uh, the 15-point deduction. They went down, they got the transfer embargo. Um, so they were in League Two at the start of last season. And uh, yeah, it's just it was just a sort of wipe the slate clean sort of thing. Um, they brought a fresh manager with, with new ideas from Barrow. He got Barrow up into the Football League um, from the National League and uh, they put their trust in, in this guy and he seems to be uh, working wonders uh, so far. So, yeah, it's been a turbulent few years for, for the football club, that's for sure. The fans have been th- uh, through the mill um, and the, th- the fans I speak to are just hoping that it's the start of some, some brighter days now. Has been. I didn't realise he was at Barrow, Ian Everett. Uh, yeah. That's that's a smart move, getting somebody that's fully ingrained in the you know the lower leagues and understands what's required. And have have you seen a big changeover in the squad this season? Has he? You know, you mentioned earlier about the the, the late run. Was that because there's a more settled team now? Yeah, well, at the start of the campaign, um, they brought in, uh, it must have been about 23 players, something around about that number. Uh, now, a lot of those players were brought in um, using a model where they had a, a, a sort of football director in there that they brought from Macclesfield. It didn't quite work. He was bringing in players that that, that, that didn't, didn't suit the style of play. The, the, the shirt was too heavy for them to, to mm-hmm. wear. Um, and it took until January window for, for Ian Everett to take back full control at transfers, bring in the players that he wanted and bring in players of real quality as well. Um, the likes of Declan John, um, uh, Dapo Affaline from, from West Ham. They brought in MJ Williams as well. Um, these are all players that have played at a higher level uh, and coupled with the fact that they brought Matt Jilks back in. Now, Matt Jilks was brought in by Ian Everett as a, as a goalkeeping coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, initially, and then he brought in Billy Crellin, who he coached at Fleetwood. Now, Billy Crellin, a good young goalkeeper, but his constants were shot to bits. So um, Matt Jilks went, stepped in between the sticks, and you could tell the difference straight away. I mean, you could hear him with the fact that there's no fans in the ground. You can hear him uh, constantly <laughs> barking instructions at his, his defenders. Um, so he, he's been a, a massive player for Bolton Wanderers. He, he just turned 39 the, the other day there as well, but he looks uh, fit as a fiddle. Um, so that coupled with the, the players that, that Everett was able to bring in in January and the fact as well, remember, he, he likes to play football the right way. He likes to play on the deck from the back. And I mean, it took his barrel team a, a season uh, to adjust to that and for the players to adjust to his way of thinking. So uh, it takes time to, to implement his methods. And, and I think it has sunk in with the players. It looked like fish out of water at the start of the campaign. Um, there's no denying it, um, but more and more time spent on this training ground, you could see it was it was working on on a Saturday or, or a midweek, and um, thankfully for for Bolton Wanderers, it ended in, in promotion. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Now, of course, you've got that fantastic stadium up up there over there in the in the northwest. Um, when when did they move in? It was in the nineties, if I, if I recall. Am I right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, mid nineties. I'm, I'm, I'm sure it was. I'm not. I think it was. Was it ninety six, perhaps, or something like that? Around um, that. Time. Is that are, the, are there? Is there any sort of legacy of the old uh, Brunton Park? I mean, that was a, a fantastic sort of historic ground. Is there, are there any sort of 
memories dotted around of the old place. Yeah, but you, you, you do sense that. I mean, um, there is little mementos here and there but when, as long as you walk into the, the football stadium and what I like about the ground is that there's the, the statue in that loft house outside as well, which is, uh, which is terrific. Um, an absolute uh, legend, but with, mm. with Bolton Wanderers, of course, um, you've got the, the, the Book of Remembrance as well, which is just at the, the entrance as you go into the, the football ground as well, which is um, it's, it just shows you the community spirit, the, the family feel uh, amongst the club. So, so that's good as well. Um, I, I've spoken but on a podcast myself where I interview ex-players and I've had a, a few ex-Bolton players on it, played it. Uh, Burnham Park as well and they speak of it had an atmosphere that was was uh, unlike anything else really but all those the wooden stands where you come out from the, the dressing room you can really feel the atmosphere and um, it's something that you can't really replicate with, with regards to um, where they are now but in seeing that it's an absolutely sensational football ground um, as soon as you walk in you know it's, it's something special mm-hmm. um, I know when we had um, opposing teams come they got a lift from playing on such an uh, such an arena, and I like to in the preview show up to the commentary. I like to get uh, the opposition journalist on just to uh, get the sort of opposition viewpoint. And they, they more often than not, they were amazed by the sort of surroundings that they, they found themselves in, considering <laughs> they were just just useless to uh, lead to uh, humble surroundings. So uh, yeah, they were blown away by it as well. And it, it's, it's a stadium that sticks out. I mean, when you drive down the motorway. You, you can see it mm-hmm. um, driving down as well. It, it really stands out. It's, it's a terrific uh, place to play football. Um, and it really is something else. Of course, you get the hotel on the side of it as well. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a cracking venue. I just asked there, because you said it's near, near the motorway. Where is it sort of located in relation to Bolton and sort of the centre of Bolton? And where, well, was, ho- where was the old ground, if you don't mind uh, asking? Well, yeah, it's, it's in Horwich, so it's just out, out, outside Bolton. Um, uh, so, yeah, it's just a, it must be about what, a few miles outside the actual uh, centre of the uh, of the town. Um, so you do have to travel a, a fair bit. But, I mean, there is a, a, a train station right outside at, at Horwich as well. So um, it, is e- it is easily accessible um, for supporters to, to get to. You find a lot – I've been to a lot of football grounds that are – out the way that the town centre and they do feel like that they just feel like they've just been uh they've just been put up there almost sort of lego mechano grounds and they've yeah. got no real atmosphere or, uh, or anything like that but you, you get a sense with this uh, the with the um the university of bolton stadium which is it's now known that certainly something different i was I'm just curious yeah curious about it because I, I i have passed it once i've never been inside but i do remember going down the m6 sinking there it is. I'm not going to give it the old name, but the University of Bolton State. Or the Reebok, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's a lot of people still call it the Reebok or the or the Macron. Uh, oh, the Macron! I thought yeah. not that that sponsor. Well, yeah, I, I always knew it as the Reebok as well. So yeah. there, there we go. Um, <laughs> right there, I'd, I'd like to change sort of tan- tangent a little bit. Something that for me is really important, and that something that came out during my Scotland series in particular is that sort of, you mentioned it with the community spirit that is in, in, in the club. You meant, you mentioned the the book of remembrance there. Well, so um, 
with that way, how does the club sort of reach out to the community? Do they run any programs that engage the local community and support the local community? And have they done any sort of specific ones during, you know, sort of the last 12 months during the lockdown to, to help people during the, the COVID era? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, they're a real community outfit. They've got the community trust at Bolton Wanderers who do a fantastic job uh, themselves in terms of going out. They've got different things in terms of uh, soccer schools and um, supporting those that are, that are maybe disadvantaged, perhaps, in, in the likes of uh, health, education and, and disability and all that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So they do a, a great amount of work that the Bolton Wanderers um, Community Trust out there. They raise a, a hell of a lot of money as well. Uh, I know the press officer, um, Paul Holiday as well, an absolutely fantastic guy. Uh, he's forever doing um, charity runs and what have you. I know you've done one in lockdown where his marathon was obviously kiboshed outside because of uh, the restrictions. So he done it in his, uh, his living room, which was uh, something else. So uh, <laughs> yeah, his, his carpet took an absolute battering. But, but guys like that, uh, the lifeblood at uh, Bolton Wanderers. And uh, like I say, the community trust, uh, I would uh, urge anyone to go and see the, what they do. Um, it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, the amount of money that they, they raise to help uh, those in need. Now, uh, as well as that, there's other groups as well, not just the Bolton Wanderers Community Trust, it's the uh, Bolton Wanderers Remembrance Group, which was a, a group that was pretty much set up about around about a year ago now. Um, and they very much look after uh, just different supporters, members of the, the Bolton Wanderers family, ex-players and what have you. I know they have a Facebook group where they raise funds if, if maybe someone is, is needing a bit of money, maybe for funeral costs or anything like that. So... Uh, it's a fin another fantastic group. And that's what I've found doing these commentaries is they really rally around for anything, that, any cause. If there's, if there's money to be raised, you'll, f you'll find a, a Bolson Wanderers group that will go out their way to, to go and raise money for it. So, yeah, hats off to uh, all these groups, the likes of the Community Trust and Remem Remembrance Group and, and all those that, 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 that help out. But you really do get a sense that even when you walk into the football ground, the people that work there, I mean, they work there for the love of the club and what have you. So uh, you do really feel a, a real family uh, feel when, when when you're in and around the place, that's for sure. Are, are there a lot of supporters involved in the running of these clubs or are they sort of generally led by employees? No, no, no. The, well, the community trust is is that, but they're run as, they're helped by a lot of volunteers as well that that, mm. that just do out, go out there just to volunteer Um because they love helping, really. Um, the Remembrance Group as well is, uh, is a sort of volunteer-led uh, thing, which is uh, terrific. I urge everyone to go on. They've got a Facebook group, so if you go on there, you can, you can, can find the work that, that they do. Uh, the, the Community Trust itself, I mean, you can volunteer. if you, There's a number of different roles you can help out in. Um, and again, you can go on there. I think it's pwct.org.uk uh, is the, the website for them. So... Um, yeah, but you can go on there and find out the, the different work that, that they carry out. But yeah, it's, it's not just a football club, Bolton Wanderers. Um, they really go out their way to, to help the community and help help the town, which is, uh, which is absolutely terrific to see. And I mentioned Sharon Britton earlier on as mm -hmm. well. She's fully supportive of uh, the work that the community trust and that do as well. She sent a, a number of, of videos and, and um, messages of support for, for this sort of work and these these guys do so yeah hats off to them 
Oh, that's brilliant. Really good to hear. Um, you mentioned, so you mentioned there, Sharon in Britain. Uh, again, the you know she's the, the head of the football ventures. Yeah. Conglomerate. Yep. Yeah. Um, has she engaged with the supporters groups a bit more than shall we say the man who the man who shouldn't be mentioned did previously <laughs> to try and get the supporters back on board and to to sort of support the new direction the club's going in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, she has. Uh, she, she, she's been at a number of games. Um, she, she's been very visible. Um, I think it helps when the, when the team's winning, right enough. But um, yeah, she, she, yeah, you hear that from the manager as well. Though he he, he speaks publicly and, and very openly about the the relationship he has with with, with Sharon Britton. It's uh, very much a, an open and a, a trusting relationship that they both have and. Um, you certainly sense that the club are, are, are in capable hands. Um, you hear so many good messages, good positive messages from supporters towards Sharon and uh, also her family, which, which you see, I think it's our two boys that uh, attend most games as well. And you see them posing for pictures with, with supporters and what have you. And it, you just sense that, that, that these are good people that are in charge of the, the football club. Um, we're soon to find out the, the financial uh, details and what have you. Of course, as I mentioned earlier on, the yeah. club coming out of that that transfer embargo, which is a, a massive thing for, for the football club going forward. Um, but there is certainly a sense that these people in charge of the football club uh, are in charge. Of, they know what they're doing. They're not there just to make a quick buck and, and, uh, and, and just shaft the yeah. fans, for want of a better word, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, 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 like do completely, do completely. <laughs> but it's great. I mean, it's great to hear. It's you know that, that after so many difficult years, that the, the club is heading in a in a in a good direction. Now you yeah. mentioned earlier, Derek. You know, sort of when when you commentate and you bring up the, the the opposition commentator or the opposition journalist, and they're they're blown away by the sort of you know what what is it in particular that really stands out? What what are the wave factors of the University of Bolton Stadium, no longer the Red yeah. Rock. There we yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I've been to a number of League Two grounds this season and uh, uh, nothing compares to, uh, to to Bolton. Absolutely. It's it, 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 something else. And, and that a lot, as I mentioned, opposition teams got a lift because they were playing it in such a stage when they came in. And many of them got results, uh, especially in the early, early part of the campaign. Um, not just that, the pitch itself uh, is like a bowling green. Now, uh, with COVID and what have you, uh, and a number of pitches, not just uh, pitches in the lower leagues, but even in the Premier League, they, they look a lot less uh, in good condition because of I mean, ground staff have been furloughed and uh, mm-hmm. they've not been tended with as much care as it, as it perhaps would have been. But you can't really say that about the uh, the Bolton Wanderers pitch. It's, it's looking in tip-top shape. Uh, they've really looked after it and um, hats off to the to the ground staff for for, uh, for doing just that. It's been a it's been a terrific effort from all involved. Um, but so you get that as you mentioned there. It's, it's such a, an iconic arena. The pitch itself it is absolutely class. Um, so I think that's that's really uh, that's really what sets it apart from League Two. I mean, the, the club didn't deserve to be in, in League Two. They're not a League Two club. Um, they're aiming, obviously, to, to head back up into the well, the championship. They're in League One now, so um, League One, I can tell you, will be very interesting next season. Oh, it's going to be a cracker, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> really is. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, 
We've got to ask as well, just, I mean, pre, obviously you've been commentating this season during the, the lockdown. Were the supporters allowed in at the back end of the season? Did you get a game with fans in or was that just I'm, I'm, Premier League? Yeah, unfortunately no. I know um, in, the, in the playoff finals you had the supporters in, mm-hmm. um, but unfortunately, well, well, fortunately for a Bolton perspective, they got the job done before they had to go yeah. through the, the playoffs, which was uh, which was good. I don't think many many supporters' hearts would have would have taken that. Um, so yeah, so they managed to get through the campaign, but unfortunately, no supporters uh, made it into the ground. I know the, the the penultimate game of the season where they could have went up against Exeter City. Uh, a good thousand were, were outside, a good few thousand outside the, the, the stadium that day, just expecting a, a promotion party. But unfortunately, um, Exeter City had, had other ideas and they had to wait another week to go down to Crawley and, and finish the job off. But I mentioned the supporters travel far and wide. There was still a number of fans that went down uh, to make their presence felt outside. And you can see the video, you can see it on social media uh, at the end of the game, the players running out the stadium just to jump about and congratulate and <laughs> celebrate with the supporters. And I mean, you, you've seen it when they came back up uh, towards, the, the, as I mentioned, the hotel outside the ground. Um, there was a party afterwards that night against Crawley and there must have been thousands upon thousands of supporters outside the ground. And it must have been about one o'clock in the morning. Uh, and everyone's seen it. I mean, it was great scenes to see on, on, on social media oh. and what have you. Uh, the players looking at a little worse from worse uh, or we're coming off the, the the coach at the end of that uh, end of that four hour bus journey, but um, yeah, terrific scenes. Oh, brilliant, brilliant! What was the atmosphere like pre-lockdown? Anyway, did they? I mean, I listening to you, I assume the atmosphere must be electric on good days. Yeah, absolutely is. Yeah. Uh, like I say, I've, I covered a number of games sparingly, just reporting on games. But at that time, the club was in the wrong ownership. So the atmosphere at times could be toxic. I know there was protests outside the ground and what have you at that time. And saying that, though, uh, many people often talk about that the game when uh, the Wilbraham game, when, when they get when they stayed up in the, in the championship, uh, I think it was Bristol City they played in, in scored that late, late goal to, to maintain their championship status and the mm-hmm. place was absolutely rocking that day. Um, and I mean, the, the Bolton fans, as I mentioned this season, you just get a sense of how enormous the football club is. I mean, it's worldwide that the fan base would have supporters um, messaging us from the likes of South America, Australia and uh, India and what have you. You really, you really get a sense that this is, a, an, this is an institution, this, this football club. Um, and certainly on match days, I know that they're, they're really looking forward to getting back in the, the stadium. I think they'll be back in for the start of next season. Uh, I know they've sold over 7,000 uh, uh, season tickets already. Um, wow. So that they're really looking forward to getting the, the supporters back in. I mean, I'd imagine it's going to be pretty much a full house when uh, they get back in as well, because, of course, they've not had that year of, of football. They're dying to watch this exciting young team that they've got as well. So it's going to make a... Uh, going to make that that first game back uh, an exciting affair. Uh, can't wait, can't wait. Now, being a Scot, you know how good the pies are up in Scotland. And <laughs> when I was talking to clubs up there, everybody was happy to talk about that. I mean, how how does the food compare at Bolton to the clubs up in Scotland? Uh, you know, what are the standout things for people to enjoy when they come? Sorry, just indulge me a little bit here. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I wish I could. Uh, I wish I could uh, elaborate more on that. Unfortunately, with uh, with, with lockdown, we've just been uh, we've just had teen coffees uh, oh. uh, this year, which is a bit unfortunate. Um, but I have been told the food is uh, is is of a decent standard. Um, so I'm looking forward to sampling some of the delights when when I get back when I get back to the ground. In terms of uh, food elsewhere, some clubs stand out more than others. Um, uh, I know, uh, where was it? Port Vale. Yeah, Port Vale was absolutely terrific. I mean, you're looked after, your teen coffees, of course, and then you get your custard creams and, and, and oh, what man. have you as well. So <laughs> you wind and dined at Port Vale. At Exeter City, I remember, they just gave us a big uh, a big uh, uh, box of Yorkies. And they just said, help yourself, lads. So uh, we had that. Um, so some clubs certainly, uh, yeah, push the, push the boat out. Um, I was actually looking forward to, to my trip to uh, Forest Green this this season because I have been told that the vegan uh, the vegan menu is, is second to none. It's really something else. I'm not a vegan myself, but I was really, I have heard great things. Uh, but unfortunately, with, with the COVID restrictions, we weren't able to partake. So that is certainly something, Adam, that I'm looking forward to next season is sampling the delights. Oh, you got some great place to get. Where I mean, where where do the fans congregate there sort of before the game? Are there any pubs nearby or do fans tend to go to pubs elsewhere and then take a train closer to kick off? Or how does yeah, it they, yeah, many of them do. There is a pub outside the, the football ground as well, which has uh, got the beer garden, what have you as well, that, that a lot of supporters just congregate in before they uh, they just cross the road into the, the, the football stadium as well. So um, that's where they, they, they normally go. Uh, I mentioned the Exeter game, a lot of them, <laughs> I was walking in and I mean, the place was packed. Uh, <laughs> of course, there's not no real pubs open at that point, but there was guys walking in with, with 24 cans of uh, Lager and all that, <laughs> just, get, just getting prepared for the afternoon. So they, they were quite happy just sitting outside the ground on, on that day. But yeah, they usually congregate a number of pubs in the, in the town, get the train over. As I mentioned, the transport links are, are really good. So um, they usually do that. I'll just head to the pub across the road before uh, heading in. Ah, oh, great fun, great fun. Now, you say you mentioned that League One's going to be a cracker this season. It really is with, with the clubs that have dropped in and the clubs that have been stuck there for a while as well. You know, what are your hopes for the forthcoming season? Yeah, there's a number of uh, big football clubs in there, a number of ex-Premier League clubs as well. Um, you look at that, I mean... It's, it's, it's uh, mouth-watering, really, some of the games that are, that are going to take place. I know a lot of Bolton supporters looking forward to the, the derby with Wigan, um, which will be good, which will be tasty. Um, and then there's uh, a number of trips uh, that, that you're looking at, like say, Rotherham, Ipswich, Portsmouth, um, all interesting affairs, uh, all, all games to look forward to. Wimbledon will be an interesting uh, affair as well. Um, so I think it's going to be really competitive. Sunderland as well, I, I never mentioned, so... Um, I think there's going to be a, a good number of trips there. I think I, I don't think I can call it a lot of the Bolton supporters I speak to would be happy with a, a sort of mid-table finish and a, and a good cup run mm-hmm. next season. Um, I, I think Ian Effett will be thinking playoffs. Though he, he'll be thinking he can he can lead this team up um, to another promotion. He's already had back-to-back promotions with, with Barrow and Bolton. Um, he's he's a winner. When you speak to him, he's very honest, he's very frank, and he's a positive guy. And you can sense that um, he'll be telling his players that they've got a real chance of going up again. So, And I'm sure the players will believe it as well. They will need to add uh, another two or three. They have added uh, some quality additions so far. 
Um, but I think they'll be roughly there or thereabouts. If they make the playoffs, I think that's a, a good season for them. Ah, brilliant. Any signings or anything already? Any any deals being discussed? Any any changes that have happened? Yeah, well, the, the main one was uh, the manager uh, signing a new three-year deal. That was, uh, I think that was a couple of weeks ago now uh, that he'd done that, which is uh, a great move for uh, for the football club to, to mm-hmm. tie him down because uh, there were there was a few mummerings that, that maybe a bigger club might be sniffing about him based on the fact that he has had those back-to-back promotions. So it's great to see him uh, tie down his, his future. They, they signed... Um, uh, the Newport uh, midfielder uh, Josh Sheehan um, just yesterday, who's a who's a cracking player. To, he's great. Uh, comes with a, a good reputation. He's not the only Welsh player that, that Bolton are hoping to, to to bring back. Of course, Declan John I mentioned earlier on was on loan uh, last season from Swansea. He's since been released, so um, he everyone wants him to, to sign uh, a permanent deal. Uh, Dapo Afalain has has done just that. Uh, as I mentioned, he was on loan from. West Ham last mm-hmm. season, he signed on, uh, which is great news. And um, another uh, big signing, uh, the start of, just uh, well, just the start of well, the end of last week. Sorry, was uh, George Johnston, who was on loan at Wigan last season from Feyenoord. Now um, he's a player that a lot of Wigan supporters w- were hoping they would sign at the DW for next season, but Bolton have managed to nip in and take him from Ooh. under their noses. So. By all accounts, um, a guy I know who, who does the Wigan commentary says that he's, he's a cracking player. So I think Bolton may have a, a player on their hands there as well. So um, these are you can sense you can tell that they're they're not messing about here. Bolton they want to get the players in the door uh, pretty sharpish so they can start pre-season with pretty much the squad that they're going to be uh, undertaking the campaign with. Which is uh, full credit to uh, the manager. He doesn't want to. Uh, is it one having another last uh, last minute sort of deadline day uh, transfer bonanza? Really, yeah. I think he wants a nice settled squad. I think the other big position that supporters want filled it would be the goalkeeping position. Uh, now, this last season, Ian Everett was one for not putting a goalkeeper on the bench, uh, and there was a few scares when Matt Jones, <laughs> of course, thirty eight years of age, when he went down a couple of times and. <laughs> You could just sense the angst in Ian Everett on the touchline. So, <laughs> you put a goalkeeper on the bench from time to time, but I think that's certainly something that uh, they'll need to add just to give uh, Jilks the competition as well. I think, mm. um, I mean, he's a terrific goalkeeper, goalkeeper, Matt Jilks, but you just wonder with his age and what have you, can he, can, can he last another uh, full campaign just himself? I think another goalkeeper alongside him would be, uh, would be beneficial. Definitely so, definitely so. Been been there a few times when I've seen a keeper have to hobble off and you've, you've seen the centre-half put on the gloves and you go, oh, God. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, I wish I wish you the best of luck for next season. It's, 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 it's going to be great to see Bolton, you know, in League One and hopefully back up in the, in the top leagues as soon as possible. It is absolutely great, great club really is a historic club. You mentioned Nat Boftas, a player that's, you know, one of those players that's defined English footballing history there. And these are the clubs that we want to see at the top of the game. So oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for today, Derek. I've, I've really appreciated I've really enjoyed it. <laughs> it's great to learn a little bit about the goings on at all the different clubs around, around the league. Um, for people listening who want to follow, uh, 
the Bolton story a little bit more. Where are the best places to connect with either yourself or the club on social medias? Yeah, yeah, like I say, them well, the Bolton Wanderers uh, Twitter page is probably the uh, the best bet if you want to keep up to date with, with what's going on. And there's plenty going on every day, pretty much, uh, whether it's new signings or new deals or what have you. So um, you can follow them just at official uh, at official BWFC. Uh, you can get uh, all your information there. Myself, I'm at Derek Clark Sport. You can follow me on Twitter. That's where I'm usually most active. And like I mentioned about the Community Trust and the Remembrance Group, you can follow them as well. They're both on Twitter, the Remembrance Group, more so uh, on Facebook. Uh, and if you're a Bolton Wanderers fan, I'd very much uh, urge you to go, go and join there. It's a, a great uh, group to be a part of. Oh, well, thanks for that. Thanks for that. So and that's it for our first episode of the 92. It's going to be a long old journey. It's hopefully going to be a great fun one. It's been an excellent start today. And of course, I'm Adam at Ugrafoot24. You can follow me across all the social medias as well. But till next time, everyone, take care and stay safe. Goodbye for now. <laughs>